As we enter into our prayer time this morning, Miss Sandra Smith is asked to be anointed. And so I'm going to ask her to come forward at this time. And if there's any of you who would like to come with her and uh, pray with her as the scriptures command us to, I invite you to come at this time. Jesus, we just want to say thank you for this time. God, for the opportunity to come to church and to worship, to sing songs and pray. Father, we're so thankful for the testimony of our teenagers. and God, thank you for what you did in their hearts this week. Thank you for working and moving in such a special way. And so many times it's hard to verbalize that. God, I remember what that was like to stand up in front of people and speak the first time. And Thank you for giving them the courage to do that today. Lord, we pray for all of our families. Lord, there's been three people passed this week and we have loved ones who are hurting and dealing with that. God, we ask that you would be with them. Lord, we have so many others who are struggling with physical pains and just different stuff in life. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be within the day. And Father, as Miss Sandra has come, Lord, we pray for her. Lord, you know her body and the aches and the pains and Lord, the accident that she had this week. God, I pray and anoint her in the name of God the Father who created her. And Lord, we ask that you would touch her body and that you would heal her in only the ways that you can, in ways that medicine and doctors can never do. We anoint her in the name of Jesus Christ, your one and only son that you sent to die on the cross for our sins. And while physical pains and ailments are always a part of this life, God, we thank you for spiritually healing us, especially when we don't deserve it. We anoint her in the name of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and does the works in us that we cannot do ourselves. Father, I pray this morning that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. God, not only you would give her body a peace and a comfort, but God, that you would give her spirit a peace and a comfort. Lord, for anything in her life, any concerns that she has, Lord, that she would be brought peace that only comes from the power of your spirit. And Father, as we continue on in our service this morning, we give all of this to you. It's only because of you that we're here. Lord, we thank you for our country. We thank you for the men and women who have died for this country. We thank you for all the things that it has blessed us with through you. But Lord, we know that you are more. You are so much more than what a country can offer. Because Lord, we are here temporarily. But Father, we will be with you for eternity. And I pray this morning that we would give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory because you 
and you alone deserve it. We thank you and we love you. And we ask all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. It is great to see you this morning, and I do want to say thank you for allowing me to get away with my family for this past week and spend some time with them. Um, Just a couple of announcements. Um, As you know, we've had a few people pass away this week, so we just want to remind you to be praying for our church families, Um, the Cashes, the Garretts, and um, also pray for uh, the, the caches as well as uh, Henry's sister, Miss Augusta Highs, passed away this past week. Her service will be today at 3 p.m., and they will be receiving friends from 2 to 3, and then the service will be at 3. So you're invited to attend that if you're able. We encourage you to do that, to be there for them. Um, but it is a privilege to be back together with you today, and we're continuing on in our series, which is Questions That Jesus Asked. And uh, as I always say, a question opens the mind and a statement closes it. There's a reason why Jesus asked us questions. He asked the people that he was teaching questions because he made so many statements, but he also asked so many questions. And, And the questions are really important that we pay attention to those. Because one of the many things that Jesus would have you to think about and to understand this morning is your ability to discern between good fruit and bad fruit, right? Your ability to discern between wolves and sheep. Jesus talked about false teachers and false prophets a lot, and this is one of the things that he asked, can you pick good fruit from a bad tree? Can you pick fruit from thorns and thistles. And this morning, before we get started, I want to take a moment to, for us to understand today that this is not about judging, okay? Because like, you know, there, there are things that people who aren't believers in Christ, they love to like cling to certain Bible verses and they love to, to hold on to things and remind you, well, you shouldn't judge and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And in reality, what Jesus is saying has nothing to do with judging, but everything to do with just common sense and discernment. And to know that, that for each and every single one of you in this room, that God has gifted you the ability to discern between things, right? How many of you know the difference between good fruit and bad fruit? Yeah. All right. And so when Jesus speaks and he asks this question, he basically associates with your ability to look at another person and discern whether or not you should trust them or whether or not you should associate with them is as easy as picking up a piece of fruit and being able to discern whether or not it's uh, of quality to eat or whether or not it needs to be thrown away. You with me this morning? Like, it should be that easy. We shouldn't overcomplicate it. We shouldn't stretch it. We shouldn't try to overthink it in any way. But the question that Jesus asked 
calls us to think about our ability to do this. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, as Jesus talks about a tree and its fruit. And also look at what he's saying in this and look at what he's warning us of too. This is really important. So verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, before we get started, I want you to think about how easy it is for you to go around. Now, you may not be able to go to every single tree and identify what kind of tree that is, but when it is bearing its fruit, it is very evident as to what that tree is. Most of you can go around and tell the difference between a pecan tree and a walnut tree and a lemon tree and an orange tree and an apple tree and whatever else you want to throw out there to identify it. So Jesus is not calling us to contemplate this, this, this very confusing thing that we have a hard time deciphering of, but no, he calls us to understand how simple this whole thing should be, that as we as believers in Christ are trying to live for God, that we should be aware that there are people that's moving about in and out of our lives and around us in certain circles and venues and at work and at school and on teams and whatever you're involved in, there are people out there who are good people, and there are people out there who are just bad people. And Jesus warns people of this. He, he, he warns us of this, and he warns us of people who would also come into the church, and they would be wolves in sheep's clothing. So you, you wonder why so many people have terrible experiences in church, and they have these bad experiences with, with religion and leaders in churches and things like that, and Jesus specifically warns of it. Like it should kind of be as a believer in Christ, this should be common sense to know that there are going to be people in the church who are wolves, who are looking to devour, who are trying to act like sheep and confusing and misleading and hurting and just tearing everything apart. Like we shouldn't be surprised by that. But we are because we think when it comes to God and church and Christianity, everything should be perfect. But Jesus warns us against that. So point number one this morning is to beware. You need to beware. You need to be on your guard. Jesus said that these people were coming. You need to make sure that you're aware that they could already be among us. All right? And now we're not going on a witch hunt. So you shouldn't just be like looking around you like, who are they? Like they're in the room right now. Who are these people? Like you don't have to go looking for them. They identify themselves. Okay? Scripture warns us of false teachers. It warns us of false prophets continuously from Old Testament to New Testament. And we're commanded by Christ to be aware of them and to know that they are coming. He warned the people in his teachings constantly of these people who would come and try to lead them astray. And when you start reading the epistles in the New Testament, you read so much about 
the early church and what they were dealing with in finding people who were teaching false doctrines and trying to teach new ideas and different things and not staying true to the original message of the gospel. If you don't come on Wednesday nights and do our Bible studies, at least listen to it on the podcast on our website because that's exactly what we've been talking about. There were people in the Corinthian church who were trying to lead the church astray to follow new teachings and Paul is saying, hey, come back to the original teachings of the gospel. It hasn't changed. It doesn't need to change. Let's stay on track with this thing. But there are going to be people who try to lead everyone astray, promote new ideas and new things. And they might look like a sheep. They might bat like a sheep for a little while, but if you get close enough to them, they begin to smell like a dog, and you'll know it, and it's not that confusing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, the author writes, speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unable to have, have twisted his letters... To mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. And so even sitting here today and understanding as we read Scripture, there are people who are sitting around the wolves in sheep's clothing who are intentionally and they're premeditating on how to take advantage of other believers and other things and how they can distort truth and lead people away to follow their own ideas. There are people who are premeditating that. And then you have people who... uh, They're not intentionally leading us away from Scripture. But their understanding of Scripture is limited, but they probably really believe that what they've heard is absolutely true. And you would be amazed at how many people are out there who who have taken a teaching that they've been brought up in, whether it was just like something that they've heard in their home or something that they heard from a pastor from years ago, and they they just... take it as truth, and they haven't really researched the scriptures, and, and because you, if you're not careful, and we talk about this in our Bible studies a lot, you can read one verse of scripture, and that one verse of scripture might read very strongly for this thing that, that you think that it means, but when you begin to read scripture as a whole, and you read from Genesis to Revelation, and you look at the, the common themes of the Bible and the common teachings, and then you begin to look at all the scriptures surrounding that one verse that you just read, many times it will reveal to you that it means something very different than what you might think that one verse is trying to say. And there are a lot of people who get caught up in traditional teaching, and I say traditional stuff that they've just been brought up in, they've been told by their family members, and you just accept it as truth because you trust them, and they were good people. And they said something that sounded good, but it was not scripturally based. I mean, there are churches, there are denominations that do that, and you got to be careful. And you got to keep your eye out and be aware. Like, when you sit here on Sunday morning, and you listen to the words that I am saying on Sunday morning, you should beware of what you're listening to. You should not just take what I say for absolute truth. That if there is something that, that you hear from me say, like your immediately response should be to go to the scriptures and to see whether or not what I'm saying is actually backed up by the word of God. 
And some of you, like Henry, are excited about that because you know, like, that, yeah, that's true. That's how you should do it. And some of you are like, well, if we can't trust you, who can we trust? Like Jesus said, beware. Beware. There's been a lot of very fine moral people in this world who have fallen into sin and deception and struggled in life. And, you know, at one moment in life, they might be living for the Lord. And the next week, whenever they show up and they preach on Sunday morning, they might be caught up in sin so deep that they can't get out of it. And you need to be aware of the wolves in sheep's clothing because there are people who are doing it on purpose and there's some people who's doing it unintentionally. And the gospel is very unique. You know, Hannah and I had a conversation on the way home this week. We saw a billboard and it says, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And it was almost like when you read it, it was kind of like you were praying that. And that's all it said. It wasn't advertised. It wasn't promoted like from anybody. It just said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And we talked for about 45 minutes to an hour on the way home about how the message of the gospel is so crazy. Because it's so simple and it's so easy to believe in that, that children can do it. But for adults who have grown up and who have not believed in the gospel to all of a sudden hear this very simple thing and to be told, all you got to do is trust in Jesus. All you got to do is pray and ask him to forgive, forgive you of your sins and do this. Exactly what that billboard was saying. It's so hard to accept that as truth. And as people, we have to be very careful about what we accept as truth. If you're sitting in here this morning and you struggle with whether or not you believe in Christ and whether or not you're going to... Because it's not just about saying, oh yeah, I believe Jesus existed. Or, oh yeah, I believe he can forgive me of my sins. Or, I believe in heaven. No, it's like, are you willing? Do you believe in him enough to do what he's called us to do? To give up the things of the world, to follow him and to serve him and to glorify him through your life, which means a lot of times that means we are last. We sacrifice and we give up and we don't get all the things that we could get in order to glorify Christ in our life. Do you believe in him enough to do that? And when you start coming with people in the message of the gospel like that, it's very hard for them to believe because that's a very different gospel than what most people have been told. Beware of the wolves in sheep's clothing. But I want to call you this morning to also be aware of yourself. Because at any given time, I mean, it's not just leaders in the church, and it's not just leaders in the faith. I mean, there's a lot of people, but at any given time, we can be tempted, and we can be led astray, and we can be brought into false doctrines or teachings or ideas, and we have to be very careful of that. Matthew chapter 24, verses 24 through 25, Jesus said once again, For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. And you know this, and I try to be honest with you guys. It's no secret that religious leaders throughout the years, throughout history, has misled the congregation of the Lord, has abused power, has abused authority, 
has mistaught scriptures. That's no secret. It's happened constantly throughout the years. Ever since the church came to be, and even as soon as the church was created and established, that's why we have the New Testament from the early church, for all the junk that they were dealing with. Jesus said, this is coming. And it's been present in the church ever since the very beginning. And as believers this morning, you need to understand that this is something that we need to be aware of. That we cannot let this take hold of us or surprise us or to say, well, I never thought that would happen in church. Like Jesus said, these things are coming. These people are coming and you need to be aware of them. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30. The author says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed the shepherd Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. The warnings are constant throughout Scripture about false teachings, false teachers, false prophets, false messiahs, people who will perform and do great and amazing things to draw a following, to lead people to themselves. But it's not leading people to Christ. Point number two, you can identify. When we talk about this this morning, if you will simply be aware you don't have to worry about, you don't have to go on these crazy witch hunts where you're trying to draw people out and burn people at the stake to figure out whether or not they're the wolf in sheep's clothing or the false prophet or the false teacher or whatever. You just need to be aware because God has given you the ability to identify. You don't have to worry about that. You have discernment. You have common sense. And God, you have to understand this morning that God did not just set the standards of what a Christian is supposed to be because this is what he wanted from you. Like he just like laid out this impossible task, okay? Like he, he just like made up all these rules and laid out this impossible task for you this morning to, to believe in Christ and to do all these things. Can you turn me down a little bit? He didn't do that just to make up these crazy rules for you to be defeated. He did that because if it was humanly possible to do it, then anyone could do it. You have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, which God designed and he set up. He sent Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, did all that so the Holy Spirit could come and dwell within us to give us the power and ability to do all the things he's called us to do, to free us from sin, and to preach the word of God in a way that other people would get saved. He set it all up to be like that. There's not a single person in this room who can be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can pretend for a little while. You can dress the part. You can put the sheep's clothing on. You can buy every once in a while. But if you don't really belong to Christ, you're not going to be out in the field eating the grass. You're going to be the wolf who's out looking for the next blood that he can lick and devour. Understand this morning that he did not set the standards for us to fail. He set the standards for us to succeed and to be able to identify who truly belongs to Christ and who doesn't. 
He did it so that people couldn't fake it. And if we are simply just aware, and we just sit back and we watch, the tree produces the fruit that identifies itself, and it's as easy as that. 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10 says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously does not love other believers, does not belong to God. Ouch. How many of you have seen somebody with this passage of scripture tattooed on their arm? Or written on their church bus? Or hanging up in their home somewhere? Because passages of scripture like this are the ones that a lot of Christians love to forget about. Because it makes the excuse for us whenever we sin that we don't feel as bad. But then whenever we read passages of scripture like this and it reminds us of... This is not what a Christian is supposed to be. This is not what a Christian is supposed to do. Like if Christ has set us free, set us free from sin, and the actual calling that Scripture brings on our life and what we're supposed to do and what's expected of us, this is the type of fruit that as believers that we're supposed to be producing. And I want to be really careful this morning because I want you to understand, if there was any of you in here today and I saw you out committing a sin doing whatever, my first response would not be, well, they're not a Christian. That would not be my first response. You with me? I don't expect you to be perfect as a believer in Christ. I don't expect perfection. Now, we are called to seek Christ. We're called to seek the Holy Spirit, and has to be filled with the Holy Spirit and cry out for God to allow the Holy Spirit to change us and shape us and mold us and to help us overcome temptations and overcome these sins. But by no means do I expect you to be perfect, and I, don't, I would hope that you would not expect me to be perfect. Hannah can tell you straight up. I pick on her a lot. She can tell you right now, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes, say a lot of things I shouldn't say, do a lot of things I shouldn't do. But what the writer is saying in this is that you can easily identify who belongs to Christ and who belongs to the devil. And there's no in-between. There's no like good people, moral people, or anything like that. It's like either you belong to Christ or you do not. And the ability for you to, to, to stop sinning does not lie within your own efforts and abilities, but it lies in the fact that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and God changes the way that you think. He changes the way that you move. He changes the way that you talk. He changes everything about you. But the problem is, is most people want to say, I believe in Christ, forgive me of my sins, but don't change me because I like who I am and I like my friends and I like what I do and I like my hobbies and I like my habits. And we don't let the Holy Spirit come in. We shut the door and we never change. Because the whole idea is, is that we should constantly be changing. 
And you could be the oldest person here. You could be 100 years old. And God is still working in your life and changing you. And many of you can say this, the sins of your youth. When you're 50, 60, 70 years old, you're not tempted by the same things that you were as a teenager. Now the temptations are so different. We laugh all the time. I can't wait till I get old enough where I can say everything that I just want to say. You know, when you get to be old, sometimes you just, you just say what you want to say. You say what's on your mind. The temptations change as you get older. The attitudes of the heart, the frustrations, the pain, everything changes. And so as we are changing, as our bodies are changing, as our minds are changing, we should be crying out for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that he's changing us into what he wants us to be and not just changing to what the world is causing us or forcing us to change to. To understand this morning that spiritually you are called away from this world. Scripture says over and over and over again, we are foreigners here. We're aliens. This is not our home. Our home is with Christ. And everything about our relationship with Christ is preparing us to go and be with him. And to understand this morning, like to, to think about how humbling it is as believers to say, if I died right now and if I had to stand before Christ, how ashamed would I be or how excited would I be? And that's very humbling to think about. Because the truth is, most of us still need a lot of work done. I still need a lot of work done in my life before I'm ready to stand before my maker. So it's not a matter of being perfect. But it's a matter of what fruit that you're producing. People can tell who you really belong to. You can talk a good game. There are people out there who, who can share the message of the gospel and they can talk to people about Jesus and they, for whatever reason they just have that personality where they're just very outgoing and they can do it and they're not, a, they're not saved a bit more than Satan himself. They can talk a good game. They can bad whenever they're supposed to but they're not living for the Lord any other time in their life. People will know. People can tell. Even people of the world can tell who the hypocrites are and who the real people are. Who the real followers of Christ are. If you're sitting here this morning, don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. You just use common sense and you use judgment. And you look because you can tell who people truly belong to. Point number three, know what fruit you're looking for. You know, I love the fact that Jesus asked because the question is so sarcastic and rhetorical. It's like, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? It's like, no. Why would you ask such a stupid, simple question? Because he wants us to realize how easy it is to identify who really belongs to him. A bad tree can't produce good fruit and a good tree can't produce bad fruit. 
And this morning you need to understand either you are or you aren't. Either they are or they aren't. And so when you're sitting here today, and you know, we talk so much and we, we, we push kids and we talk to, to young kids and teenagers so much because we understand that who we hang around is so influential in our lives and it has so much of an impact on who we are and our attitude and personality and the way that we talk and, and everything. And you need to understand this more. Whether and as adults, you need to do this too, because there are people that you work with, people that that you're associated with through different circles in life. And you need to understand this morning that that not only either you are or you aren't, but either they are or they aren't. And if they aren't, you need to be careful not to associate yourself with the people who aren't. Because the aren't will rub, on, will rub off on the people who are much faster than the people who are will rub off on the people who aren't. You know this. Bad habits and addictions are much easier to pass on than good habits and good thoughts and good intentions. Be careful not to associate yourself and to be around those people. Because if you're questioning, if you're, if you're sitting here this morning, you're questioning, I don't know, like, should I hang out with this person? Should I be dating this person? Should, should I be going out and fishing or doing this with this person? It's like, then probably not. Because if you don't have enough confidence in someone to say, that person believes in the Lord, they're a good influence, hanging out with them will make me better, you probably shouldn't be hanging out with those people. That's one of the first things I learned about Christianity as a teenager is I wanted to hang around with other people who were more solid in their faith than me because I knew they were going to push me to grow and be better because I was going to have to read more and pray more and work on my personal life and my personal habits in order to make sure that whenever I was around them that I didn't look like a buffoon most of the time. Because when I first got saved and I started coming to church, I did a lot of stuff and said a lot of stuff that I looked like a buffoon just because I was being my normal self and I didn't know there was a difference. You know, you hear the old apple, the old uh, phrase, one apple can spoil the whole batch. You got to be really careful whenever you're associating yourself with other fruit. With bad fruit. Because whatever is in it, it will contaminate you. And as a believer, anybody else in this room who's a true believer of Christ can tell you, when you start witnessing the people and you start trying to help them and, and help them in their life and help them out of habits and addictions and sins, stuff like that takes years. And it's not just good enough for you to do it. You actually need like multiple people. That I think it's like... I think it's like something like 20-something times they say that someone has to encounter someone speaking truth to them and, and witnessing to them and telling them about Christ. That It takes like 20-something encounters for someone before they would finally will make a commitment for Christ. And, and it's like 20-something different encounters, so it's not just you. 
So even as a parent, like I want you to think about this morning as a parent, you're trying to raise your kid in church, raise your kid to be a Christian, raise your kid to follow Christ. It's going to take like 20-something other people besides you to have an impact in their life before they finally make a decision to follow Christ, and that would be their religion and not just something that you've pushed off on them for their whole life. They're going to need other people influencing them and impacting them in positive ways in the name of Jesus for them to finally make that commitment and say, yes, this is what I believe in. This is what I'm going to live for. And yes, I'm going to sacrifice things in my life in order to glorify the name of Jesus. You're going to need those other people in your life. Don't associate yourself with the bad apples because they'll spoil the whole batch. And as the scripture in Acts said earlier, guard yourselves, but guard God's people. We have a responsibility to call. You know, I talk about this all the time. Being a Christian is so much more than just asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and wanting to go to heaven. There's not a person in this world that does not want to be forgiven for the bad things that they've done and not a person in this world who would say, if there's a heaven, that's where I would like to go. Nobody would go against that. The real question is, are you willing to do all the things that Christ has called you to do as you are putting your trust and faith in Him? And to be aware and to understand what kind of fruit you're looking for Because there are going to be people, Satan will send people in your life to distract you and to discourage you and to lead you away from what God is calling you to. They will be there. They are already, I'm sure they're already there and there will be more to come. And you need to be aware of those people. And if you're not on your A game and you're not paid up and you're not prayed up and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're not ready to pour into their life for the long term, they'll drag you down before you even know what's happened. Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. It's not rocket science. It's not something that you have to sit around and cast lots on and try to determine whether or not someone belongs to Christ or whether or not they don't. Either they do or they don't. And it will be as obvious as the night is from the day. You won't have to think about it too hard. If you can tell the difference between an apple and an orange and you can tell the difference whether or not that piece of fruit is edible or whether or not it needs to be thrown away, you can pick out the difference between the sheep and the wolves. You don't have to think about it too hard. Don't talk yourself out of it. Satan will tempt you into reasoning why these people should be allowed to have a part in your life. He, what? But they're so much fun, and, and I have so, and, and Christians are dorky. Like, yeah, yeah, Christians are dorky. But the true believers that I know are happier than anyone else. And it doesn't mean that they have as much money as anyone else or as much family or anything that anyone else has. But they have the thing that counts the most. And you can sit around and rationalize all these things in your life of why you shouldn't be a Christian or why it's not fun or whatever. But again, that's what we're talking about. To truly believe in Christ and invite the Holy Spirit in to change the way you think. 
It's like, yeah. Being a Christian may look really boring, but when the Holy Spirit comes in and changes the way you think, it opens up your eyes and you begin to see and understand why did I used to act like that? Why did I used to talk like that? Why, like all the things that everyone else does, you're just like, I have no desire to do that anymore. And your joy is found somewhere totally different in things that are totally different from the rest of the world. That's the thing about it. The God who can save you from your sins and forgive you and who can give you eternal life, he wants to change you. He loves you but he wants to change you because he understands we need to be able to see the difference between the sheep and the wolves. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the people who are here. Father, we just ask that you would work and move in our hearts. Speak to us. Show us. God, if there's anyone in this room right now or anyone who's watching online, who is just questioning, if they're just uncertain, God, I pray that you would reveal it to them. Lord, we are so blinded by so many things in the world. God, I pray that you would open up their eyes and help them to see truth. And Lord, help them to just say, Jesus, I submit myself to you. Lord, I don't understand it. I'm not even exactly sure I want everything that's there that you're offering, but Jesus, I know that what's in my life is not, it's not making me happy. I'm not whole. I'm not fulfilled. Jesus, I pray that you would help these people put their trust and hope and faith in you and to invite your Holy Spirit into their life to begin to change them and to shape them and mold them into the men and women that you are calling us to be. And Lord, for any for the person in this room who's been saved longer than anybody else, that, God, we would not be satisfied with where we are. But, Lord, we would continue to allow you to change us, prepare us to stand before you on that day so that we can stand with confidence and excitement to enter into our eternal home. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.